Hey, welcome! Thanks for tuning in! This is There's Something About Arcviz, a podcast where I discuss with experts and industry leaders about the many sides of the Arcviz industry. I'm your host, Federico Biancullo. I'm an Arcviz artist, founder of The Big Picture, blogger and content creator in the field of architectural representation. I'm on a journey to learn more on all things about Arcviz, art direction, business, technology, you name it. And I would like you to be a part of this journey as well. Through these conversations, my hope is to bring light to not so obvious topics connected to our industry and help you grow as a professional, as an artist, and why not, as a human being as well. So please join me. Without further ado, let's jump into this episode of There's Something About Arcviz. Hello, welcome to this first episode of There's Something About Arcviz. You know, I'm really excited to start this new adventure and honestly, I don't know where it will lead me, but I'm pretty sure the journey is going to be an interesting one. Anyway, for this first episode, I didn't actually go very far from here. I'm based in Bologna, Italy, and my guest is from Faenza, which is a small city a few kilometers from Bologna. His name is Paolo Zambrini. Paolo is, first of all, an industry veteran. He's been in this field for 25 years now, which is probably one of the longest, longest stretch of time for a member of this industry. He's probably one of the most influential people on the scene of Italian artists. Although his work is very well known even beyond Italian borders, he's been working with clients such as MVRDV, Snoheta, UN Studio, to name a few. Paolo runs three separate companies, Engram, Edo and Here, which cover all possible facets of our industry, our business. They do competitions, marketing, product visualization and real estate as well. And still, despite his commitment as a CEO and as a manager, Paolo is still deeply passionate about how images are born. We took a deep dive into the principles of image making and we discussed how we instinctually read images, what we should prioritize when creating one. It's an incredibly deep, deep insight into the inner workings of image reading. And you know, I highly recommend you to take notes during our conversation because you will surely find something useful to apply to your work. We also discussed the popular notion of storytelling in our industry, the fashion of branding ourselves as storytellers, how storytelling actually interacts with the image reading, and why maybe storytelling is not such a simple deal as telling a story. But that's enough from me. Please enjoy my conversation with Paolo Zambrini. Paolo, thank you so much for being here, for being the first guest of this podcast, because you're going to be the first guest. Um, you are a veteran uh, of, uh, of the Italian Arcviz, and not only Italian, and you're a, a major nerd when it comes about image, I guess. So I would like you to, to introduce yourself and tell the audience who you are and what you do. Sure. Well, my name is Paolo Zambrini, and I'm an image nerd, like you say. Uh, I'm an architect. Uh, I'm 47, quite sadly, yeah, that's, that's, uh, let's face reality, I'm really 47. And uh, yeah, I, I started doing 3D 30 years ago or something like that before uh, starting university. So it has been my passion for a while. Uh, I did uh, painting and drawing for a while before meeting 3D and I tried to bring in the 3D arena what I tried to do with pencils. So. It was a smooth transi- transition and, and uh, studying architecture. Then I brought my experience in 3D in the field of architecture. And so I went to architectural visualization by case, okay, because I started uh, on something different. I did uh, different stuff at the time. So not architecture, but more organical picture and uh, landscapes and this kind of stuff. I've always been uh, quite interested in the visual arts. Uh, mostly in cinema. I think that my main inspiration comes from, from movies. And uh, I, yeah, I think I grabbed uh, all my concept about images and uh, what is nice and what is not nice from movies. And also from music. Uh, I always loved the fact of uh, approaching this, uh, this work as kind of as a synesthetic. Do you have synesthesia, by the way? Uh, somehow yes, somehow yes, yes. I, I translate music in images. Um, I translate uh, flowers and smells in colors. Yeah, it, it, I tend to be, I tend to be synesthetic. Maybe not at uh, 
an, at an incredible level. Like if you read what is a synesthesy in, 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 in the books and on the web, it seems something magic. I don't think I'm at that level, but I have a natural channel open it uh, in translating uh, things from one field to the other. And yeah, music is, is something that I really bring in my images. I always listen to music when I produce images. And um, for me, music is, uh, is images and vice versa. Uh, after studying architecture, I, I, I worked in the architectural field for, for a while, but yeah, for a short time. But I was already doing images uh, for, for a while, before even, even before starting architecture studies, as I told you. And um, yeah, after a while, I decided that uh, making images was my way. So I, I stopped doing architecture and concentrated on, on, uh, on visualization. And uh, Engram, which is my office, is, uh, is born from, from this experience. By the way, I worked in a team with other people before starting Engram. We had other funny names like picture pushers or this kind of stuff. And uh, last incarnation of, uh, of my uh, teamwork is Engram, which is born uh, 10 years ago. And then uh, from, from Engram, which does uh, pretty much architectural visualization uh, for, for big projects and this kind of stuff, we decided to split uh, two uh, smaller groups, which are Edo and HERE, which are two newborn companies that work in the field of visualization of the products and interior and for real estate. So. Uh, basically, Engram uh, is starting to be a kind of a group of companies instead of a studio. And that's, uh, that's the direction that we are taking right now. In the meantime, I'm starting to, to offer consultancies and uh, teaching services for art direction, image reading and uh, pipeline organization for companies. It's so nice to see that you, even if you're one of the veterans of the industry, because you're actually one of the eldest standing members of the Arcvis industry it's so it's so amazing to see that you're still very active and you're still trying to to explore so many so many directions yeah it's something that comes natural because after 30 years of images it's hard to keep doing the same stuff i would love to be able to do production only but at the same time, if after 30 years uh, I was still here doing just images, uh, uh, maybe something went wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, yes. But anyway, um, I want to touch something that you just said about the um, consultancy and teaching, because I know that you've been teaching for quite a long time now, and you have a very peculiar stance when it comes to images especially about image making and reading an image, because that's something that you care deeply about, if I'm correct. And something that it's very interesting for me as well, because I don't have formal education on, on this aspect. So um, what is the concept of image reading to you? Uh, well, this is a quite a deep, a deep talk. Yeah, we're going deep the rabbit hole with this one. Anyway, I think that image reading is the root of what I do. In the beginning, I started doing images following my instinct or maybe copying uh, something that I liked. I didn't have clear ideas about uh, what allowed me to make a good image or not. Okay, I, I, try, I just tried like everyone else. And uh, after a lot of time making images and also reading, uh, I, I got somehow a culture about uh, what is an image and how it works and how perception works. Mm -hmm. So I put my experience in image making together with the culture that I tried to get uh, on books, but also on, on other kinds of sources. And I tried to define, I would say some rules, but it, it's, uh, it's not the, the proper word because there is no rule that will allow you to make a good image or not. But basically it's a, a backward process. After many images, I tried to capture what allowed me to make a good picture in some situation and what, and what I tried to do implicitly. I tried to grab uh, uh, and design the, the red lines that I followed instinctually. Mm. And, and so I gathered some, some things that I put together in a structure of knowledge which is image reading. All right. And there is a lot of things inside image reading because uh, uh, yeah, there are concepts like hierarchies, which is the most important, I think, and structure. You should really be aware of what is hierarchies and structure because 
that's what an image is made of. I also tried to dig some somehow into the, the, the Gestalt concept, but this is just the basis. Okay, you cannot uh, you cannot do a good image just following the, the the few principles of Gestalt. This is a start point. But putting everything together, uh, I, I think that I managed to to put uh, a core of knowledge that is useful for, for me uh, and also for my team, because my problem is always that, uh, for me, it was always difficult to tell my guys uh, why an image was good and why not. I cannot go near one of my cooperators and tell him, uh, I don't like the image. <laughs> I, have to I have to explain why, okay? Yeah. So... Um, this was concerning me for a while. And I think that uh, I was forced to, to put together some concepts that helped me explain uh, yeah. why an image works and why not. And it, there are a lot of things inside of this concept. And uh, by the way, uh, storytelling is one of these, but it is just a component between many yeah. other. And there are some more important things than storytelling itself. I mean, hearing you speaking about the image coding, I was wondering how much of doing an image there at Engram is based on coded laws and how much is based on instinct? Because as for me, for example, I don't have the structure that you have, the, the experience that you have. In our job, there's a lot of tight deadlines and you don't have time to really study the image in depth every time. So for you, I guess it's more of an instinctual process. But what about your, your collaborators? How do you How do you work with them knowing that it's not going to be the same kind of instinct that you have. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a hard process, by the way, and it is a long process. Uh, by the way, all of my cooperators have uh, their instinct. Okay, so they have a feeling about the image. But when we, you have you have to understand that when you work on an image, yeah, you you try to be as instinctual as you can. Okay, so as natural and flow, you have to flow on the image and you have not to think too much. But uh, when it comes to, to talk about an image, so when you, you are in a situation where we have to talk with someone else about an image, the whole thing is brought on the rational plane, okay? Because the communication yeah. happens on that plane. It's not instinctual. You have to, yeah, yeah, yeah. the communication forces you to bring everything on, on another plane. So uh, these rules uh, are the, the, the way we talk about images on the rational plane, but it is not what we follow when we make them. It's just a tool that we use to discuss about images. I think I understand better now. Um, there's something else that you, that you touched before that interests me so much, which is the, the whole storytelling, you know, rhetoric and uh, discourse about the, the word itself. Because personally, and that was going to be the original scope of our conversation, but of course, storytelling is just a part of the whole image-making process. But I have the feeling somehow that storytelling has taken too much importance in um, in our industry. And maybe there's also some misunderstanding about this, this whole concept. It's, it's just like, you know, the keyword has become too overused in the industry and probably there's uh, some some misunderstanding as a, a reason around the, the meaning of the word storytelling. What do you think about it? Yeah, that's another <laughs> complex issue. I mean, uh, the whole storytelling thing, uh, we, we already had the chance to talk about this. You know that I'm not a big fan of the, yeah. the, of the whole storytelling thing. And I, I will try to explain you why. Let's, let's, let's try to define what is storytelling, okay? Because uh, storytelling is not just telling stories. Quite often, I see that following this, this fashion, uh, most of the offices out there uh, want to put on the website uh, some kind of slogan. We tell stories, we mm. are storytellers. Okay. I think that storytelling itself is much more than telling a story. Uh, storytelling is something that allows the observer to understand better what's happening and what has happened before the shot or what could happen in the future in that zone, in that place, okay? It's something that can give you more information that the pure geometry can give you. It's something that gives you some suggestions and some uh, finer emotions about uh, the image itself. So I think that the storytelling is a founding element of the image reading, but it is not the most important and it should come after other aspects. Because if we care about the storytelling only, we will just get to a, 
yeah, to a book, to a documentary, how can I say, to a sterile uh, explanation of an happening. Okay, but I think that the story has to happen within something else, which has a deeper breath than storytelling itself. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, um, let me try to put it in another way. Let's, let's, let's try to define two keywords, understanding and perceiving. It's two different things. Some aspect of an image are part of the perception of, an, of the image itself, and they have nothing to do with storytelling. Uh, the, the narrative aspect, the storytelling, is more uh, in the understanding area. And uh, we have to define a process in image reading before we can understand truly what we are talking about. For example, uh, you have to understand that the image reading happens in, in more phases. Okay, When an observer looks at an image for the first time, it is not that he is looking at an image and he feels an emotion and he, he sees a story. It is not simple like that. It is much more complex than this. There is a first reading, there is a second reading, and there is a third reading in the image. So it's, uh, it's um, looking at, any, at an image is something that happens in phases. And these phases are separated and have a precise structure. The first reading of an image uh, happens in the first fraction of a second that you see an image. As soon as you open an image in, in a half a second, you like it or not. Yeah, at least when I read an image for the first time, even when I open my own images after, you know, a few hours or a few days, I get this impact like there's something wrong or, ah, oh, this is pleasing. And do you think this has more to do with the composition, with the general colors, composition, structure? What's the feelings involved into this first reading? Let, let me try to explain. The first reading is only about perception. Okay, there is nothing about understanding in the first phase of the original image. So yeah. when you open an image, you really do not care about what's happening there. Or if there is a, some person drinking a bottle of wine, or if there is a shop, or if there is a happy life, you don't care about this stuff. You just perceive the image as, as a whole. Okay? Yeah. So uh, basically in this phase, what happens is that you perceive uh, with your uh, primitive eye, Okay, it's something very deep and very rough. And so uh, in order to get a strong first reading, you have to follow things that have nothing to do with storytelling. Okay, storytelling happens after. So this is very important to understand because uh, if you want to make a strong image, an image that catches the eye and, and hooks you somehow, you have to follow uh, some codes. Okay, you have to to worry about the composition, the lighting, and, uh, uh, and give your images a strong structure. Uh, in this phase, you, you, you use your primitive eyes, so it's, it's the eye of the hunter that perceives the danger. And in the first second of, of, of observation, you just use that codes. After this, so if you manage to hook the observer through these codes, then you can tell the story. But if you do not hook the observer, nobody will care about the story of the image. Okay? Right. Yeah. So this is very important to understand because if you, if you think that making a good image is all about storytelling, uh, you take the wrong way because you first have to create a playground where the story can happen. So the first reading is all about the perception and here is where we concentrate the most. Because, for example, Engram is, uh, is uh, pretty much about uh, iconic images. Okay, So what we try to do is use strong codes, strong composition, and uh, use uh, in a smart way all the uh, structure and the hierarchies that I talked to you about before. Okay, I, yeah. I will not go in depth on these themes because it's very complex. It's a, it's a lecture per se. <laughs> yeah, it's a lecture per se and it, it would require, uh, require uh, images uh, under our eyes because I, I should explain why and how. But it, it's all about this kind of stuff. So after you manage to create the structure, then you can lay down and tell the story. Okay, that's, that's why I think that the whole storytelling thing is just a mess. If you, if, you, if you speak just of storytelling about the core element of making an image, you are just wrong. It is an important thing. It can add a lot to the image, but it is not uh, the key point. Uh, by the way, I'm just talking um, of architectural images because, by the way, there are many kinds of images. For example, the real estate images are more about the storytelling and less about the 
uh, uh, reptilian brain, yeah. how, how you called it before. Yes. Okay. For example, let, let me make an example. If you think at interiors, okay, in interior you have way, way less tools to create a strong perception. Okay. It, it is more about exteriors. In interior, the story is much more important. And uh, in general, in the whole real estate visualization, so the one that is not dedicated to expressing the architecture itself, but the lifestyle, because you have to sell an apartment or whatever, there, in that situation, maybe you can push more on the storytelling itself. But mm. I'm, by the way, I'm speaking about what I do myself. Okay, so we, we do not do uh, real estate images, but we, we do architectural images. It, it is two very different things. Yeah. If we speak about architectural images, so the storytelling comes after. Then it is, uh, it, it is not finished because you have the first reading that hooks you or not. You have the second reading where you perceive the story, the element, the detail. And here you are in the understanding process. Okay. So before there is the perceiving and then the understanding. Then there is the third reading, which is a synthesis. You put the first and the second reading together, and then you make a synthesis, which is more than the two phases that I told, because the story itself can add some emotions. Okay? The story can produce emotion, but in, in another phase in comparison with the first reading. So it's a complex thing. It's a very complex and layered thing. But when you say what happens in the image, is that what people usually mean with storytelling? So it's the whole narrative behind the, the image. Because my impression is that some offices, they flip the whole thing. They start with a script for their images, base your image upon a script, and then develop the whole image based upon that. I resonate so much with what you say, um, you know, the first reading, which is very instinctual because the images are, are read with, a, with this, kind of, this kind of instinctual brain before going to the other layers. And then that brings me questions about the whole storytelling thing, because in which case should we use this kind of hard storytelling for architectural images? I'm not talking about real estate now, thinking about, you know, the comp competitions and uh, tenders, etc. If you ask me, never. <laughs> uh, I, but uh, by the way, I, um, I think that uh, it is not wrong to start from a storytelling concept. You are totally free and it is not wrong to start from a story concept to produce an image. Mm -hmm. But nonetheless, in the end, when you show the image to someone, they will have anyway the first perception, the second perception, and the third perception. Okay, you will not mess with this. You can start from the point that you like more, but then you have to care about the first reading anyway. I see many images, a lot of images, that are only about the detail, the dead leaves on the dirty ground, just to mention mm. that this is a white stripes quote. Uh, you know. Uh, some details, the light inside, uh, and there is something happening inside the people with uh, the, the, the... Yeah, but it's also important to know why you're doing those those things. For example, if I turn on the lights in the inside, it's not just a detail. You have, you have to know why you're focusing your attention on that detail, why you're turning on the light, what do you want to communicate with that light on? Exactly. But anyway, you can twist the order you care about, the factors that come in play. But in the end, the order of the perception of the observer is always the same. So I see many images where I see only detail and no first reading. Okay, this is the, the biggest the biggest issue in the images that I see around. A lot of good offices are producing images that have a lot of detail, a lot of stories, a lot of uh, suggestion here and there, but they just miss the first reading. Yeah. And this is, in my opinion, the, the biggest clue about uh, about about the images I see around. Also about the experience probably of the of the people that, that work on this field because many people just come from architecture and start doing images, but maybe they not they don't have a formal training like you you had in painting, for example, or experience in you're also a big film cinema buff as well. You you, you enjoy a lot of watching movies, so you also have a you bring a lot from that language into your images, right? So maybe these people they do not have all the same culture when it comes to image reading because they don't have many sources. I don't know. I think that there is a lot of culture in our area. I think that mm -hmm. I know many, many artists uh, with a very good culture. I, I don't think it's a matter of culture. I think it's a matter of approach. Okay. Um, it's just that maybe 
someone did not come to the same conclusion that I came to. Uh, but I, I mean, it is not uh, a universal view. I was wondering another thing now that, that it came to my mind. When you compare images made by architects, of course, there's exceptions. Uh, with images made by a visualization office, a, a major one like yours, for example, you see the difference. You see the education behind. It probably is, is an education on reading the image, on composing the image. That's what it makes the difference, probably. Exactly. But you have to understand that there is so much fuss about storytelling that maybe a lot of teams, maybe internal teams in the offices of architecture, uh, tend to think that that's the important thing. I don't think that it is uh, not important, but I don't think that it is the most important. I, I always have a lot of clients that want me forcedly to tell stories, uh, breaking the first reading, and I try to avoid this uh, when I can. I think it's just a matter of culture. You have to understand that most of the time, uh, clients want to sell their project to someone. So for them, the lifestyle uh, suggesting that uh, life is happy there and there are, there are happy people or uh, that place is an eclectic place so yeah. we, ha we have to put uh, a hipster and all this kind of stuff they think that that's a good way to sell the project that's it we always come back to the first thing that i said it's not uh, that i have to add anything to this if you do not do not hook someone and uh, force the observer to the screen to stay yeah. The story will not get through the monitor. It's a matter of codes. Uh, the story is important, but with no playground, nobody will read it. That's it. I agree 100% on that with you, actually. I have a funny story on that. I worked on a, on a project once, and we got this consultancy by a branding firm. It was for a huge project in the Netherlands. And uh, so this agency was a creative branding agency, basically took over the, um, you know, the look and feel of the images. And they were so focused on the on the story that they went they went overboard and they actually asked to put people with Beats headphones. <laughs> there was an explicit request, so there was so much focus on the on the experience of the the user experience of the people that they basically lost um, the sight on the on the goal of the project on the on the first reading as well. Exactly. So. That's what happens sometimes. No, it happens all of the time. Uh, <laughs> most of the time, uh, your work should be, I, I think it should be, uh, keeping the client on the first reading because it's, most, it's more important. If you spend uh, days on putting uh, people with uh, strange devices or I don't know, the iPad, I don't know, uh, you do not have the time to concentrate maybe on the correct lighting, which is much more important. Uh, you have to understand one simple thing. It is very simple. There is some uh, Amazon art pieces that are just perception. Okay, there is no storytelling at all. Think at yeah. th think at Rochko. Okay, think at some painting. Think at, at Rochko uh, uh, painting or Mondrian. Uh, I can make thousand examples. Okay, they work, and they work without any story because they yeah. are they are pure perceptions. So the perception itself is universal. Everybody feels the, the, the first reading. Every, everybody is affected by perception. Uh, so why not to care about this? Okay, why avoid to care about this so important thing and put attention on things that maybe nobody will care about? Okay, that's, that's my point. But this idea of storytelling that it's so necessary to the image, where do you think it comes from? Because for me, it's a bit hard to pinpoint the exact point in time when we started thinking about storytelling this way in our profession. So do you have an idea about that? Because I have my own, but it's difficult to, to explain it. Do you have one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a precise one. It's just a matter of fashion, by the way. The whole concept of storytelling, of narration, comes after the 17s mm -hmm. and... Um, somehow it went into any kind of field from uh, business, politics, uh, psychology, uh, military, economy. Uh, the storytelling has come through all the disciplines uh, as a persuasion tool. So it went through images as well, first through the photography, but you have to understand that photography uh, is not just about architecture. Uh, there is a, a whole world of storytelling in the photography, but photography is also, is also about reportage, war reportage. Is, there are a lot of kind of photography and there the storytelling has much more sense. Then um, 
I, I won't make names here, but uh, there were some very, very famous offices uh, putting in their website the concept of storytelling in the beginning. I followed this process very, very closely and, and it was funny. I noticed that in some point of this history of, uh, of visualization, there was a pair of offices that for a while had on their website storytelling world. After this, all of the offices around put the storytelling thing. Okay. <laughs> so it was just about a mimicking, yeah. okay? Yeah, 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 and yeah. then this thing went huge, but uh, for no reason, uh, I think. It's just because it was made fashionable, like you said. They saw great success from this kind of narrative. Exactly, uh, exactly. And this is the power of the web. You know, some shit can become gold on the web in minutes. Yeah. If, if, if it is put on the proper channels. So I, I'm not, I, by the way, I'm not saying that storytelling is shit. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. But it is just an example, okay? If you associate the success of an office with the world that you see on the website, you just copy it, especially if you are young. So this thing becomes huge for no precise reason, because if you understood the things that I told before about first reading, maybe there are other things that should have become more important than this. So um, yeah. I think it was a, a mixture or, uh, of uh, trying to get concept from photography. And if you get to study some photographies the, the word storytelling is very 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 used okay but for a reason put together this with the copying other offices and putting everything together made the whole thing fashionable okay so in order to uh, join the wagon okay so yeah i'm on the same wagon of uh, the other big offices uh, you just uh, try to go the same route maybe even without understanding why and that's an issue, I think, especially now that it is quite easy to do good images. I think you agree with me. It's great images are hard. Good images, it's quite easy right now. But there are so many people that do images at the moment and they jump on this storytell whole storytelling uh, narrative like that they don't stop basically thinking why we're doing this, what's our goal with these, with these images. So they just don't develop their own proposition about what they do. I did the very same. Then I, I tried to understand what I do and how I do it. So I tried to come up with something new. Exactly. Uh, you have to understand that. For example, we are in the Instagram era now. And uh, think about what I told before about the first reading. When you scroll Instagram, where do you stop? On images telling history? No, I stop on colors, I stop on composition. So Instagram, make it easy to understand what I told you before. You have to hook someone and then to tell the story. That's, that's, the, whole, that's the whole point of everything. There is nothing more to say, really. So uh, image reading is a second reading, but it has to follow. Mm, I think that's a brilliant example because it really makes you understand immediately how important is the first reading, how important is the first impact you get from an image. When I scroll my feed on Instagram, I just I don't stop overanalyzing the image. I just stop on what my instinctual eye likes the most immediately. Yeah. Now, now that we have clarified that it is not the most important aspect of an image, uh, we have to to say also why it is important because it is important. Okay? Yeah. I think that storytelling is something that is really useful and powerful to use if you use it properly. Okay, I think that uh, trying to tell a story in the form of putting, yeah, uh, how I told you before, put the hipster to suggest that this is a fashion place, put the happy people with the children to tell that this is an happy place. I think that this is similar to considering stupid the observer itself. Because mm -hmm. you, you t basically what you are telling the observer, you need an explanation of this place because you do not understand the thing alone. You need some... Some visual aid. Exactly. Some visual aid to, to focus what's happening here. It's like advertising. Somehow you feel uh, that advertisers consider you as stupid. I think that it happens very often, no? Mm, it depends. Well, I, I think something a bit different. Putting hipsters, for example, in this new development, it's basically a matter of being consistent with the with the message. It would be weird if we were put put different demographics in the image. So yeah, yeah, no. yeah. But I agree. I agree. Uh, I mean, you know better than me that there are some images and some uh, image makers that tend to put too many of these and to make this too explicit. It is just a matter of how explicit. Uh, you make storytelling. And it's also pushed by the client sometimes. Yeah, but I know. That's why in order to be a good visualizer, you have to stop the client and explain this kind of concept. 
Okay, if, mm-hmm. if you explain, let's care about, let's try to make a good first reading. Then I will tell the story that you want, but let's try to make a first reading before. You are doing a better service to your client. Anyway, anyway, um, storytelling is an interesting tool and a powerful tool. And like all the powerful tool you have to use with care. It's like driving a Lamborghini. If you push too much on the gas, you, you probably will not control the car. It's the same thing. Um, I think that storytelling is interesting when it's subtle, when it forces you to open questions, when it suggests something that it's more adapt than an answer. Okay, let's make some examples. You, you can be close or distant to your subject, okay, to the architecture. This is already a storytelling. Okay? If you are close, you are somehow involving the observer in the architecture and in the place. If you are distant, you are suggesting mm-hmm. uh, a remote observer, so something that is not involved. Okay? And this is already a way to drive the attention. So you can, f- I, I'm not saying that staying close is better than staying far. In, in fact, I try to stay far from the object. But you are driving the attention and the emotion of the observer through uh, the level of participation uh, to the place. But let's make other subtle example. Uh, You are depicting an architecture in a place. Let's suppose that you use uh, a worn out street, okay, or you put some graffiti on the wall. You are suggesting more than the architecture itself because you are suggesting that that architecture maybe is born in a place that is uh, at a specific social level. For another subtle example, uh, you can make a dusk or night view of a, of a house and uh, have some lights on. Depending on how you put the lights, you can suggest that the people are all together or not. And so you are suggesting some different emotion about the people that are inside the house. Okay? It's subtle things, very mm-hmm. subtle. And this is a good storytelling because this storytelling will not affect and will never affect the first reading. So. This is a good way to deal with first reading and storytelling. The storytelling should come after and not mess with the first reading. It should add new codes of reading of the image. And in the third reading, you will put everything together and have a more complex emotion. Going back to the to the example of the house, I was thinking tweaking the second reading could also uh, affect the, the first reading because I was thinking if you turn on one light in the scene, composition is not going to stay the same. You're changing basically the the light perception of the of the scene. Exactly, and that's the whole point of it: managing the first reading and the second reading, and find the balance between them is uh, everything about making an image. Because the first reading itself is a poor image in most of the situation. Uh, you need very few elements to create a first reading. The more thing you add the more you are affecting the first reading with the second reading. So I think that the second reading should be mild about the first reading, okay? Should be gentle about the first reading because the more thing you see at the first reading, the less you will be hooked. Uh, is a primitive brain do not like complexity. Mm-hmm. So the first reading has to be simple and everything you add should be subtle and gentle in order to avoid messing with the first reading. All right. Uh, by the way, this is not a universal rule, as always. Rules are made to be broken, and uh, so you can play around the rules, okay? Uh, there are some funny examples of messing with this kind of stuff, but one thing is knowing the rules and then breaking them. One thing is making things uh, with no rules and following no scheme and uh, maybe making a mess. Uh, for example, a brilliant example of, of uh, breaking the rules, knowing them, is uh, in architecture, for example, uh, Palazzo Te from Giulio Romano, you know? In that moment of the history of architecture, it was all about following the classic rules and uh, putting them together in a new way. Giulio Romano uh, knew this so well that he played with this kind of stuff. And so he introduced some errors, but it was not an error that he did by mistake. It was an intentional error. And it is very different. Yeah, kind of a a bug in the matrix somehow. Exactly. But if it is intentional, it has a totally different meaning. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's also pretty hard to do this because putting errors by intention in our own work, by not messing up things, it's very difficult. And I think it's something that comes with a lot of experience on the field like, like you have. But anyway, to circle back to the, to the main topic of the episode, 
So we, we highlighted this trend of branding ourselves as visual storytellers, but I wonder, and I ask you because you're a person with a lot of experience in the field, is it an effective way to market our services to a client? I mean, do clients really care about us branding ourselves as visual storytellers or, or is there something else that we could do a bit differently on this aspect? I think that uh, the best thing that uh, everybody can do is finding their unique selling points. Uh, basically, if you, if you tell, hey, I'm a storyteller, basically you are saying to the client, hey, I do the same stuff that 10,000 people do mm -hmm. all over the world. Okay, mm -hmm. So it's not uh, properly uh, the best thing that you can do because everybody does storytelling and everybody says that they do storytelling. So I think that um, we really should not care about the, the, the fashion of the moment and we really should ask ourselves what I like to do what I'm good at, what is the, the thing that I do best? And you should focus on that mm -hmm. thing. Uh, for example, always speaking of my work, uh, Engram will never write uh, storytelling. Or we do stories or anything like that in the website or anywhere else. We write and we uh, explain to all our clients that we do iconic mm -hmm. images. That's what we do best, making images with the first reading, which is very, very strong. And then uh, in some images, I, I really like to, to play with this role, uh, like I told you before. For example, in some images, we do very poor detail by intention. So we do very strong first reading. And then it's, it's like we say, okay, look at how strong this image is. And then we don't give it a fuck of everything else, okay? We, we don't even put uh, details uh, that we should put. It is kind of... Um, bit more than a sketch. Bit more than a sketch by intention, because yeah. it's, yeah. it's kind of a declaration of what we do. It's a manifesto. Yeah, it's a manifesto of what we do, and it, I think it makes it, it makes it stronger. I think there are other examples of this. Okay, uh, There are some offices, uh, very, very good offices, uh, that uh, put error uh, by intention, Okay, like mm. Giulio Romano. I, I, I saw some images from, from really the best offices in the world uh, that have uh, clearly intentional errors or clearly poor made details. Hmm. And, and I think that it is not an error that they did. <laughs> I think that it is more or less what I do. Uh, we do not care about this stuff because we are so good in doing the other things. Okay. And it's a manifesto as well. That's really interesting. It's uh, something that you come to read only with, uh, with a lot of experience looking at images and trying to read them and explaining also why they work to people because th this, this is not a given. It's, I guess it's difficult also to try uh, to go and explain to people why an image works and why it doesn't. That's another challenge. That's a, that's a challenge, and uh, yeah, that's what I do. Uh, that's what I do daily here, uh, and, and and this is all about the rules, uh, how I call them, uh, that that I told you about before. So the hierarchies, the structure, and the energies in the image. That that's all about why an image works and why not. We we spoke about uh, reading images, uh, image building, and storytelling. Uh, if you were to suggest me reading, sort of movies about this subject or just to get inspired what would you suggest me uh that's a long question as well um well i'm not a big fan of of uh, of books for this uh, for for this topic okay i don't think that you can learn this kind of stuff on the books but i will suggest you three books that uh, i think that everybody should read really for different reasons uh, let's start from a classic of image reading, where you can get a lot of concept uh, that comes mostly from Gestalt, but it is much deeper than this. And it is The Art and Visual Perception from Rudolf Arnheim. I think that this is a good reading, uh, not light at all, <laughs> but a good reading about how we perceive art and uh, why a painter did something instead of something else. And it is very, very interesting. Uh, and this can help really uh, in making your way through the first reading of the image. Okay. Mm -hmm. Then there is, a, yeah, there is a suggestion I, I want to give you. Uh, it's a book that I, I got recently, but it's, it is surprisingly interesting. And it is by Todd Haidu, so one of the best photographer, uh, I think. And uh, it's on. It's called On Landscapes, Interiors, and the Nude. This is a really, um, I think, 
one of the best reading I ever made about storytelling concept. Okay? Mm. I think that here you can get what is storytelling for me. And by the way, <laughs> for Todd Heidel <laughs> uh, before than me, but uh, that's my vision of storytelling, of, mm. of, of proper storytelling. And then there is another book that I can suggest. Uh, it is a book with no text, but it is uh, a good example of how you can tell a story with images only because there is no word in the book. <laughs> mm. And it's, it is called Hidden Islam from um, uh, Niccolò de Giorgis. It's uh, a reportage uh, of places where uh, Islam happens. And yeah, it's very interesting because it's photograph of exteriors and interior places. And also the, uh, the mise en place in the book is very interesting. And uh, it's all about the storytelling, but with no explanation. Todd Heidelberg instead tried to give you some explanation. I think it's very interesting. But more than books, uh, I think that if I should uh, if I should suggest something to people starting this work or wanting to go deeper, uh, I would never suggest books because I think that uh, the, the same concept that I told you before uh, works also here. The perception is more important than the understanding. Okay, mm -hmm. so I think I think that I can suggest something to perceive instead uh, that something to understand. So I think that there is a long list of movies that any visual artist should uh, should watch. Uh, it's it's so long that I will not bother you, but I can name yeah a dozen or something like that maybe. <laughs> name your favorite then. Yeah, for example, I think that uh, everybody should watch Stalker by Tarkovsky, okay? Yes. It's, it's a movie from the 70s. It's not a light movie. It's heavy. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that visually it's something that, uh, yeah, changed my life forever. I think that uh, once you watch this film, you are not the same person as before. I should take a look. Yeah, you should, you should take a look. Uh, and, and possibly look at it in a Russian language. Right. Because it's even more powerful. Then I would suggest uh, all of the Sokurov movies. Sokurov is another huge uh, filmmaker, especially Faust. And then there are many other, but um, yeah, Faust is a masterpiece. And also Mother and Son. Mother and Son is, uh, is about analogic way to make movies. Okay, He does not use any effect, but you will see that the Uh, the film is seem, looks like uh, a Van Gogh painting. It's all distorted all the way. But he, he has a chemical way to treat uh, the, the, um, the film itself. Okay. Then I think that anybody should look uh, Miyazaki films. And this is, oh, more, yeah. this is more about the storytelling part instead of the aesthetic. Uh, especially the whole moving castle. I think this is really a masterpiece. I think that another another filmmaker that uh, you should not miss is David Lynch. Lost Highways and Mulholland Drive are masterpieces that, uh, yeah, I think that everybody already saw. But if you didn't, just look at them <laughs> and uh, and be prepared. Yeah, yeah, it's a huge movies and Blow Up by Antonioni, for example. It's uh, it's it's a movie on photography itself, uh, and that's uh, yes, that this is a must, I think. Um, Yeah, there are many other. I would suggest yeah, a pair of other movies that are very, very important. For example, uh, there is a young uh, filmmaker, which is Refne. Uh, look at his uh, Neon Demon, which is a recent film, but very, very powerful. But especially Valhalla Rising. Valhalla Rising is a masterpiece. And then, yeah, uh, many, many others. I, I won't mention the most obvious or so Blade Runner uh, or, uh, yeah, this kind of stuff. I really wanted you to, to give niche stuff to the audience. And I really appreciate the time to, to build this list because there's a lot of interesting input uh, to... I, I have, yeah, a hundred one. But, uh, for example, another one that you, you should really consider is... Uh, uh, Paolo Sorrentino, which is an Italian filmmaker. Uh, look at Il Divo which is mm -hmm. about Andreotti's life, more than uh, The Grande Bellezza, which is obvious, but Il Divo is uh, better, is superior in my opinion. And uh, I think that also Gattaca from Nicole is a huge movie. Uh, then uh, also, for example, a, a niche movie that I think that most have missed, which is The Fall by Tarzan, an Indian filmmaker, which is really, really about powerful images. Look at it. 
Yeah, I stop. I stop the list because yes. you, I, I'm sure you can go on for uh, for 30 more minutes because you have a, such a long list of. Yeah, yeah, I can go on forever. Um, I think that I can suggest even a pair of musicians. I don't know. Maybe uh, you will hate them <laughs> because because yeah, it's very specific kind of music. But uh, as I told you before, music and cinema uh, are the main source of inspiration for me, and I think that these two musicians are particularly important for storytelling itself. So try to dig them and understand why their music tells a story. And I think that you can translate this concept into images as well. And the first is uh, Christian Fennes, which is an, uh, an Austrian uh, musician. I think that he is uh, probably the most important living musician, uh, especially in the field of electronics. Um, Try to read about them before listening to him because uh, it can be hard. <laughs> I, I, it took a while for me to appreciate what he does. So it's about the granular composition, the glitch uh, concept of music, but it is huge. And the other one is William Basinski, which is a New York musician. Uh, try to listen to his disintegration loops, uh, which are very, very, very long tracks um, about the... 11th of September in America, like I told for fairness, try to read about the disintegration loop, why they are interesting, and then listen to them. I think that it's a good experience as well. I will stop because, yeah, it can, <laughs> it, it, it can be a long, a long list as well. But that's really interesting that you also gave your inputs on, on musicians because that's something that many people don't think about. Many people, they just listen to music when they, when they work because they get, you know, in the zone but they do not think that music can actually inspire them of doing images in a certain way. So that's really interesting. Absolutely, absolutely. That's uh, really but basically, you are feeding yourself with music when you, when you listen to it and you transform the music that you listen to in, in images, even if you do not know about this. Okay? So uh, you can drive your images through the music that you listen to, definitely. And anyway, I think one thing that... Uh, uh, think of the terrain. Okay? The terrain is fertile. Uh, and the soil is fertile when it gathers minerality from afar. Okay, the wind brings there the, the, the chemicals from other places and the soil becomes fertile. For the same reasons, the farther you go looking for the inspiration, the better inspiration you will take. I, I don't think that you can become a good 3D artist looking at 3D art itself or just being interested in visual art itself. Try to afford the process of transforming something into images because it will give you a much, much deeper pitch on images than studying images themselves. That's a, that's a great suggestion and something that we should try to, to incorporate, not just in our work, but in our daily lives and try to you know, expand our, our borders. So it, there should be some kind of you know, um, mix between the two things, the culture and, and work. And that's, that's the beauty of our, our profession, that we can just mix the two things. And I think that's also a great way to, to close this episode. So, Paolo, thank you very much for your, for your time today. You, you gave us a, a lot of interesting things to digest. See you next time, then. See you next time, and thank you for the chance to, to speak here. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed, please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcasting app and get a new episode every second week. If you like this episode, help us growing and improving the show by rating and leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. Got a question or is there something you'd like me to cover in a future episode? Write me an email at podcast at bigpicturevisual.com. Thank you again for listening and see you next time.